Welcome to Third Eye Sight. Do you see spirits? Do you hear things? Do you want to talk about it? I'm your host, Juan, and I'm sharing with you my experiences with spirit, as well as interviewing folks who feel comfortable sharing their experiences with spirit. Let's get to it. Hello, everybody, and hope you're having a lovely day so far, or a lovely start to your day if you're listening to this in the morning. So I'm very excited about this episode because it goes into one of the first major experiences I had with the spirit world in my life, <laughs> as far as I remember, as far as I really, as far as I know. Um, and, you know, I shared my last episode, that incident with the stairway light. Now, that was really cool, but in this memory that I'm going to share with you, I had what felt like direct contact with the other side through some technical equipment on a ghost tour. Now, what's special about this episode is that I'm going to turn it over to Juan number two, who is on location where (laughs) this incident occurred. So I'm recording this actually on Halloween 2021, but I recorded my, uh, at least the storytelling part of this episode in person on location at the museum where it happened. So the Morris Jumel Mansion is located in the Washington Heights neighborhood of Manhattan. And I'm going to read directly from their website, uh, the history of the property. So the Morris Jumel Mansion was completed in 1765 as a summer house for British Colonel Roger Morris, his wife, Mary Phillips, which I might mispronounced because it has an S-E at the end, and their family on approximately 135 acres of land that was estimated to stretch from the Harlem to Hudson Rivers between what is now 155th and 165th Streets. Their country estate was named Mount Morris, and being situated on one of the highest points of Manhattan, offered clear views of New Jersey, Connecticut, and all of New York Harbor. In addition to serving as a summer retreat, Mount Morris was also a working farm with fruit trees, cows, and sheep, as well as a variety of crops. With the outbreak of the American Revolutionary War in 1776, the Morris family abandoned their summer home. During the autumn of 1776, General George Washington and his Continental officers occupied the house and made it their headquarters from September 14th to October 21st. The superb views from Mount Morris made the location strategically ideal for observing troop movements, and General Washington used this advantage to plan his army's first successful victory on September 16th during the Battle of Harlem Heights. Despite this victory, on October 21st, General Washington was forced to retreat to White Plains, New York. For the remainder of the war, the house was used as a headquarters for both British and Hessian armies. Following the war, the estate was confiscated under the forfeiture laws by the state of New York and sold to cover war debts. For a brief time, the house served as a tavern and hosted a dinner for President George Washington, his cabinet secretaries, and their spouses on July 10, 1790. The dinner was symbolic in that it was held in the same place Washington scored his first victory during the Revolutionary War. Soon, the tavern became unsuccessful and the house was abandoned once again. In 1810, Eliza and Stephen Jumel purchased Mount Morris and all of its farmlands and began a series of alterations to the house. Stephen, a merchant from the south of France who emigrated to New York some years earlier, met and married American Eliza Bowen in New York. Eliza, 
who grew up in a poor Rhode Island family, was a voracious reader and self-educated. She became a shrewd businesswoman long before most women worked outside the home. At a moment when Stephen's business was floundering, Eliza applied herself to the real estate trade, buying and selling land and renting properties downtown. Her success made large profits for her husband and herself, making her one of the wealthiest women in New York after Stephen's death in 1832. Eliza herself was the longest resident of the mansion, and after her death in 1865, control over the house and her estate was contested in court for 17 years. So I'm going to stop there. Um, I just read that from the Morris Jumel Mansions website. If you have to go to Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S, Jumel, J-U-M-E-L, morrisjumel.org slash history to take a look at what I just read. And one thing that is really important that I want to mention that the Morris Jumel Mansion is doing an, uh, a really commendable job at highlighting more and more as, as they learn more about this 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 part of the the property's history is that the Morris Jumel Mansion um, had enslaved people as well as people who worked at the property uh, between the history of the two families um, who were members of the black community and um, did not have a voice. And the museum is doing the best that it can to learn more about those individuals and give them the voice that they did not have when they were here in the physical world. One of those workers who worked for Eliza Jumel was Anne Northup. And Anne Northup was trying to free her husband, Solomon. Solomon Northup is the individual behind the famous um, memoir turned major motion picture, 12 Years a Slave. So to add to what I just read, Eliza Jumel um, became a widow when her husband, Stephen, died. And... um, According to the Paranormal Investigation Tour, there were rumors that Eliza caused the death of her husband, Stephen. He was found, um, I believe if my memory serves me right, based on what the tour guide told us, he was found um, violently wounded by farming equipment in the house's garden. Now, from what I remember, I believe shortly after his death, Eliza Jamel married Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr is known for being a vice president, and he is the individual who shot and killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. And I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that based on the famous musical and reading up on some history. So in the house, there's actually a room that Aaron Burr used to stay in, and um, but inter- interestingly enough, uh, Eliza Jumel and Aaron Burr were in the process of getting a divorce. I believe it was months or almost a year into being married. And the divorce was finalized on the day Aaron Burr passed away. Now I'm going to transition it to Juan number two, who is on site at the Morris Jumel mansion. So I decided to record the rest of this episode on on property in the garden, which is today called Roger Morris Park, that you, you can visit it without having to go into the home or pay admission. Now, I want to say 
Please pardon the New York City noises that you hear in the recording because I'm sitting outside. You hear some distant cars. You hear people walking and maybe people chatting. You hear uh, you hear outside beautiful outside natural noises um, that you would hear sitting outside in a park. Um, but I hope it does give you the experience of being there with me as I'm telling the story, as I'm literally looking at the house in front of me and remembering the things that occurred to me during the paranormal investigation tour. So with that, I will let Juan number two take it away. So I am here at the Morris Jumel Mansion. I'm sitting in the garden uh, where there's a sundial, a bench. It's really lovely. The weather's a little gloomy, but that's pretty appropriate for the week of Halloween, isn't it? Um, And that is when I'm recording this. I'm recording this on Sunday, October 24th. And I know that right now it is November when you're listening to this. Um, But I'm excited to be here. Uh, I reserved a ticket for myself to enter the property. Uh, for an hour. They are doing hour-long entries uh, with admission, and you have to be vaccinated, you have to wear a mask and show your vaccination card, so I feel very safe revisiting the mansion uh, and its spaces where I had a paranormal investigation two or three years ago where I had a very interesting experience. I did not expect to record this episode here at the mansion. Um, I I expected myself to just visit the mansion and then talk about it um, in this episode. I talk about you know, the experience I had a couple years ago and talk about my visit today. Um, But I think it's perfect that I'm here and recording this on my phone. Hopefully you feel like you're here with me in the garden, sitting with me amongst all these beautiful uh, plants and uh, dying, dying plants (laughs) that look kind of lovely with the gloomy weather and are so appropriate for fall. So in 2019, I think it was, I went on my first paranormal investigation tour in New York City, and it was here at the Morris Jumel Mansion. And um, the, my tour guide was Vinny, who was absolutely great. Um, I, I've kept in touch with him since then, uh, here and there, and asked him questions about how he does what he does. And um, the, the mansion itself has museum staff, and mostly all of them are paranormal investigators a part of a paranormal investigation unit. So they do two or three hour tours of the house at night, seasonally, I believe. And I booked it one night and I never regretted it. They give you a historical, uh, they give you the historical context of the house, which I know that I already shared in the intro to this podcast episode. And then they give you equipment. So they give you an EMF detector, Um, actually, I believe that was the only piece of equipment I decided to use, but they also have these little, um, these little, uh, light, light up balls that light up when you move them. They're usually cats play with them. And a lot of investigators use them, uh, to see like if, if an energy makes contact with those balls then they will light up. It's an indication that there's something in the room with us that is not physical, that is touching, uh, those little toys. They also had what I believe is called a REM pod and a REM pod is this cylindrical, device with a with a metal antenna and whenever anything touches the antenna and i believe the REM pod itself but definitely the antenna it buzzes and lights up there were times throughout the night where there'd be REM pods throughout the first floor that vinnie would uh place in certain spots of the home and there's maybe 25 of us on the tour plus him and a REM pod would go off in another room where there was nobody there and I mean, if everything was dark, but there definitely wasn't anybody in that room because the, the house makes noises. It creaks when people walk. Um, and uh, we would have heard someone creeping around trying to like make a little show out of it and touching the REM pods. But that was not the case. So 
these things were going off. Um, we were invited to film as we were walking around the home, invited to do our own investigation, um, do it as a, as a group and also go off on our own. There was one experience I had that I'll never forget. So Eliza Jamel, her room on the second floor is a room where they say most men either don't feel welcomed or um, they just know that uh, Eliza, that the spirit of Eliza usually doesn't like men being in her room. So all of us are in there and some a group of men, a group of us men, were in the room in a circle, like trying to see if we can make contact. Nothing happened. And then the rest of the group decided to go off on their own and into other rooms on the second floor. Aaron Burr's room, the room that George Washington used when he was stationed, or when he was uh, when he was here at the property. And I'm there in Eliza's room. And I decided in my head, I, I, I kind of like did a little prayer to Eliza saying, hey, Eliza, like, if you're here, make a noise or touch this REM pod. So I'm standing six feet away, very apropos to social distancing, even though distancing wasn't even a thing in 2019 yet. Um, and being six feet away from the REM pod, the thing lights up and buzzes. Everyone comes over to the room and like, oh, it's going off, it's going off. And he's the only one in there. And I'm like, yeah, this thing just went off. And the tour guide, Vinny, um, asked me, did you touch it? You know, what happened? I said, well, I... You know, can do you think ghosts can like read our thoughts? He goes, "Yeah, of course." I said, "Well, I told her to do something if she's in here." And then this thing went off. This thing that's like six feet away from me that I am not touching. And I'm the only one in the room. So then I start filming on my phone because I'm like, okay, "Let me try this again." And now most of the tour people, <laughs> most of the people on the tour, are watching me um, as best as they can through a like one door frame, like all 20, 25 of them, including the tour guide. And they're trying to take a look at like, what is he doing? What is he going to do now? Is this going to work again? So I'm filming on my phone and I still have this video and I'll post it on my sto- Instagram stories. Um, I say on my video, Eliza, I know you usually don't like men in here, but are you okay with me being in here? And in front of everybody, the thing lights up again and buzzes and everyone's freaking out. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, well, Eliza, thank you so much. I'm so happy that I'm welcomed here. So the folklore says she doesn't like men in her room, but apparently she likes me in her room. I don't know if it's because she thinks I'm good looking or she just finds me to be a very friendly spirit. (laughs) I don't know. But either way, I was very flattered by Eliza and I feel like I have a little affinity to Eliza even though there are some not so great rumors about her have a feeling either she was misunderstood or maybe they just weren't true and uh she she, these lies are made up about her um so I feel like I have some kind of connection to Eliza and I don't feel like it's it's it doesn't feel scary doesn't feel weird um so I'm here again at the Morstermo mansion in 2021 to kind of like sense like can I feel that connection again so that's why I'm here. Two other experiences I had at the mansion. Um, one was uh, that same night during the investigation. I was filming on my phone and I had the EMF detector with me and it was on. And I'm in the, I think it was what was once the dining room of the home. No, it was opposite dining room. I think it was like a front parlor. And I'm sensing in the corner of the room, like there's like, I just want to look there. There's nothing there. The room is empty, but I just want to look there. And I'm the only one in the room, again, the only one in a room. And I look over there and I and I take my phone and point the camera towards that corner. And I film it, right? Well, later that night, I took a look at that video 
and in the video you can see these little white flurries flying around in the corner they're very hard to catch but i could tell there was something flurrying like flying around in that corner in the video zoomed out and then when i zoomed in and put it in black and white and like increased the contrast and darkened the brightness I could see clearly that there are like these little white flurries flying around. I'm going to post this as well, this video to uh, Instagram as well. A third experience I had was when I visited the mansion first in the daylight. It was the first time I visited the mansion and it was in the daylight. And I was in the basement in the kitchen. From the corner of my eye, I could see this brilliant golden yellow anomaly like with my own eyes at the corner of my eye and I look and there's nothing there and I'm thinking was that the sun because the sun is shining through maybe it was a dust particle that like was like reflecting light but it was so brilliant and shiny that I was like nah that was not just dust that was something else like it was it was a it wasn't a small little shimmer of light it was like a if, if I could approximate how big it was from the corner from the vision I had from the corner of my eye I would say it was like maybe six inches, four to six inches long, this like glimmer of light. It was bizarre. And, uh, and I actually told the staff like, hey, do you ever hear about activity in the basement, in the kitchen? Um, and this man who I later learned um, is an investigator, part of the investigation team of the, the paranormal investigation team. So I told him what I saw. I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. So that makes three experiences I had in this house that were very interesting that I'll never, ever forget. And it was three of the first experiences I've ever had. Well, let me rephrase that. It was three of the few experiences I had um, in my life at the time that really connected me more to the spirit world and made me even more curious than I already was. And that's why I'm back here today, because I want to revisit those feelings and see if I sense anything. I have my... Um, selenite crystal necklace on my neck i have crystals in my backpack um, to remind me of my groundedness and remind me of my third eye and my god energy that i have around me i go in with the best of intentions with all respect and the paranormal investigation team is very much about that about being respectful when you enter these spaces and want to make contact with the other side and I'm, i don't so much want to intentionally make contact with the other side I just want to see what happens. So I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much for listening to me and for joining me in the Morris Jamal Mansion Garden uh, as I speak to you about my experiences here and I'm ready to go in. I will chat with you soon.